I have the pleasure this morning of introducing you. Most of you already know him. But um, Scott Larson, would you come please join me here up at the pulpit? I'm going to pray for Scott and the message he's going to bring. Um, I had the honor of speaking at Swede Bend this morning, so I've yet to hear his message, even though he preached the first service. And I'm um, just thankful that he was able to share and speak into this series that we're in right now called Fearless. And I had to kind of laugh when you gave me the sermon title, Trading Fear for Fear. Technically, then the series is no longer fearless because we're now fearing. Trading. We're trading. Yeah, it's all good. I had to laugh at that, though, but I think you'll appreciate the application of what Scott has to share today. So will you just join me in prayer as we begin? Father, I thank you so much for Scott and the ministry of the Twin Lakes Bible Camp. And as he comes representing the camp today, most importantly, Lord, he comes representing you. And so, Father, the word that you've pressed upon his heart to share, we ask for your anointing upon his heart, upon his lips. And, Father, that our hearts would be in a posture to receive from the throne today. I pray you'd speak through Scott. And, Lord, use this time to the glory of God. And we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, especially thank you um, for being here. Uh, 15 years now we've been at uh, Twin Lakes Bible Camp, and it's been um, wonderful. And I think one of the reasons that we have um, uh, been able to stay and, and minister at, at Twin Lakes Bible Camp is because we have a home church that we love. So thank you for being our church uh, for my family. What? <laughs> Thank you. Now it is, uh, you know, a prophet is not honored in his own country, so I recognize that. So we'll just lay that out there right now. Um, probably the hardest place I ever preach is here. Um, but uh, uh, show me some grace. Uh, uh, Brendan, where did Brendan View go? What? Oh, there you are. Come on up here. So uh, I, I brought along some uh, stuff. This. The plan was last night, we were, I was belaying a climbing wall for a family reunion. Um, I'm not going to actually use this to belay him. Um, but the, so the plan last night was I was going to film the children's message. Um, and we were, uh, so I was over at, had, I had lots of kids. There was like 70 uh, people at this family reunion, and they wanted us to uh, lay the climbing wall. So Brennan's dad and I did um, climbing wall for two hours. So I got a kink in my neck. But um, while we were doing that, I thought, well, this would be great. I'll just videotape me interacting with one of the kids, you know, sending them up the wall and talking to them about fear and, you know, all that kind of stuff and kind of reassure them that everything will be okay. And, you know, what we normally do when we're laying on the climbing wall. Um, but it was chaos. There was no way I was going to record anything with all the basketballs bouncing and, and everything like that. So plan B is I'll just bring a rope and harness, and uh, Brendan's going to help me out. So when we, when at, at camp, and Brendan knows this, you've climbed the wall. Come over here. I'll give you this so that people can hear you. Can people hear him? Um, so you've, you've been in the gym, and you've looked at this climbing wall, and you've even been harnessed up and climbed it a couple times, right? Right, can you testify to that? Yes. Yeah, all right, there. Um, so the first time you saw that wall, what, were your, what was going on in your mind? I'm never, you I'm never going to go on that thing. <laughs> because? 
It's too high. Too high. All right, it's, it's about 33 feet um, uh, up to our kind of easy wall um, height. So it's, I mean, it's intimidating. I don't know. Does anybody know the dimensions here of the peak? Um, it's at least that high. Uh, so so when, you're, when a, a kid is looking at that wall, um, and I had one of the kids last night, uh, I'm hooking him up, and she gets up to the wall, and she goes, it's a lot bigger. You know, like all of a sudden, it's dawning on her that it's, it's, it's pretty tall. So we have safety equipment that we use, obviously. This is, this is too small for Brendan. I'm going to just throw it over your shoulders, though, just kind of just leave, leave it hanging there. So the, the idea is um, we'd hook him up. This is a chest harness. It's a full-body harness. Um, and, then the, and then the rope, I would hook this up here. You know, it's interesting, uh, this little carabiner here, turn. So this little carabiner, um, when we, they're, they're rated at 9,000 pounds each. How much do you weigh? 100 pounds. Which, use a microphone. That's what I gave it to you for. About 100 pounds. But, so is that less than 9,000? Yeah, okay. So, so we use two just in case we have an 18,000-pound child. So, so we, we, everything is, is redundant, right? And so, so I would be wearing a harness like this, and this rope goes through my brake system here, like that, and I would wire that up. And, 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 then, and then he would ask me, uh, before he goes to climb, you would ask me a question. What's the question that you ask? Can I climb? <laughs> Do you not read the sheet? That's there. So he would say, on belay. Now, most of the kids make up words. Like, what is, Shaney, what have you heard kids say? On delay, or on buble, what, you know, it's a, <clears throat> so you say on belay. The belay is the person that's holding this end of the road. So on belay, and the belay says, I'm on, I'm ready, right? And then you say, permission to climb. Permission to climb. And the belay says, Climb on. So we have this kind of, again, redundancy of security to make sure that you know that I'm ready. Because if you get halfway up the wall and you're like, I wonder if he was ready. That's a bad time to think about that, right? Because I'm over here talking to somebody, you know, what are you doing up there? You know, we don't want that to be, we don't want that to be happening. That's not good for either one of us, especially not for me. Um, so so um, what, when you say it's really high, What's really going on, like, in your thinking? Well, I don't like heights. Right. What, heights aren't so bad, right? Why would heights be a problem? Like, if you're standing on a mountain, you're high. You're up high. If you're standing on a hill, if you're standing on the roof of your car, right, you're high. You're up high. Is that the problem? Or no. is it the potential for... Falling. Falling, yeah. yeah. So you're not really afraid of heights. You're really afraid of falling, right? And it's not so much the fall, right? It's the landing. Uh huh. <clears throat> so, 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 fear of heights. Or do you have other fears? Spiders. Spiders, right? Who's with him on spiders, right? Other fears? The basement. <laughs> We don't need to go into all of that. Okay. Um, so there's a, here, how, how far can you get over here? Can you get over here close enough to that Bible? Okay. 
So in Ecclesiastes, the, the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And at the very end, in verse 13, you read that one? Now after... Right here, right here? Yep. Okay. And then 14. Just 13. Now all had been heard here in the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The whole duty of man is what? Fear God and keep his commandments. Now, when we talk about fear, we just talked about, you know, fear of heights. That's, that's a problem, right? We can be afraid, or spiders. The fear definition of when we're talking about heights or falling is, is this unpleasant emotion that we recognize something could cause us harm, right? That's what fear is. It's this unpleasant emotion. We realize something bad could happen. Someone or something could harm us. There's a dangerous situation. So when we read this verse and we go, uh, here's, the, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear there doesn't seem to be referring to an unpleasant emotion. It must be something else. We're going to talk about that this morning, but I just want you to know that at the end of the matter, your job and my job is to revere God and do what he says, obey his commandments. All right, how about a round of applause for my trusty assistant here? So <clears throat> I knew I could count on Brendan. I asked him like two minutes ago if he would do this, and he's like, sure. Uh, yeah, you can just leave it there. I'm going to pull this out of the way, hopefully. Um, yes. That is so much easier than climbing up there to get that out. There's a lot of fears. Um, what are some common fears that, uh, that, that people in the United States would say? Um, public speaking is number one. Anybody? Like, yeah, I'm even afraid to raise my hand right? Um, <clears throat> public speaking is number one. Death, obviously, very common that people would fear. So when you, when you think about that, uh, if you're at a funeral, that means that most people would prefer to be in the casket than giving the eulogy, right? So there are lots of other fears. For me, it's uh, the third from the, from the right. Tight spaces. What? Oh, you can't read it? Um, Confined spaces. Now, I don't know if I'm claustrophobic, but the idea of spelunking freaks me out. You know what spelunking is? It's like caving only in tiny spaces. So we went to, uh, 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 where were we? We were in the Black, Rapid City, Black Hills, whatever, and we went to a cave. And, and the lady that was giving us the cave tour was talking about the wonderful day that she got engaged to her now husband inside of this cave that you had to crawl through a tiny tube like this for a half an hour to get to this cave where they got engaged. And I'm, no, no, not in a million years would I, like two seconds into it, I'd be like, nope, back and out. There's just, it's it, that irrational fear. I cannot handle that at all. And I don't understand anybody that can do that. And she had a smile on her face like this was wonderful. Um, 
lots of fears. Um, public speaking, death, darkness, storms, basements, apparently. Um, the Webster defines fear as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain, likely to um, make us uncomfortable. When I title this message, From Fear to Fear, we have to recognize that when, when the Bible is talking about fearing the Lord, it is not talking about an unpleasant emotion that someone or something is causing us danger and we risk pain. That's got to be a different definition, right? We're, we'll talk more about that, but, but when, we, when we understand what fear is in most of our minds, there's an opposite of that, and the opposite of that is calmness, confidence, peace, comfort, right? That's the opposite of the unpleasant emotion. In the Bible, there are at least 13 times, and it depends on your translation, there's some translations even more, um, that, that use this phrase, fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is, we're, we're going we're gonna to describe it this way, that it is a reverence or a deep reverence. In the Greek, the word is uh, phobos. Okay, I, I don't know how to pronounce Greek words, right, other than looking at my Greek, Hebrew, whatever. Now, my oldest, Alex, is now in seminary studying Greek and Hebrew. So two or three years from now, he will not allow me to mispronounce any Greek or Hebrew word. But you're on the front side of that. So um, P-H-O-B-O-S, phobos, is, uh, is a Greek word meaning reverence. So when you see fear of the Lord, it's talking about a reverence. In the Hebrew, the word yira, and there's several words that, that fear, uh, the English word fear is trans, translated into from Hebrew, but yira, Y-I-R-A-H, has to do with this deep respect, again, this reverence. So we're talking about turning from fear to fear. We're talking about turning from an unpleasant emotion that's triggered by a situation where we feel like we're in danger or something, we could, we could suffer pain, right, that fear, to a awe and reverence and an understanding that there is a God that's in control and it's so much bigger than the situation I'm in. Those are very different fears. And both come with a, with a, a, a posture, right? If we're afraid of spelunking, you know, that, that posture of, of the defensive, like, you know, what's going to happen to me, protection mode kind of kicks in. That's my posture. But my posture, when I'm talking about the reverence for the God of the universe, that's like, a, that's this kind of posture, right? That's like, you know, bring it on. The God of the universe is in my situation. That's comfort. That's peace. That's, that's wonderful. That's not scary. And so that's kind of how we set up, um, and we're going to uh, look at some Bible passages, but, f- but first I want to, why are we talking about fear right now? Well, we're talking about fear because it's 2020. It's COVID, right? COVID-19 has dramatically changed the way that we think, and the uncertainty of how a pandemic is going across the globe has caused every single person to be fearful, Right? Uncertainty is a common fear. We all share that. We go into a situation, we don't know what's going to happen. 
the anxiety level just rises. And when it's global, we see it over and over and over. So let's address the elephant in the room. Um, there's gobs of historical events that have brought upon tremendous fear and anxiety and uncertainty. You know, World War II is, is the event of the most, that is the most fatalities, um, upwards 60 million deaths in World War II. But I mean, the Spanish flu, malaria, we've talked about that. Malaria continues to be just a, a horrific plague in our world. We don't experience it in Iowa, um, but, but around the world, a million deaths a year. You know, and just in America, when we think about abortions, I mean, those numbers are staggering, right? Um, swine flu, which was like 2009, H1N1. Um, you know, COVID, Here, here's my point. I'm not, I'm not you know, we're not going to talk about COVID-19. What, what the reality is, COVID-19 is not the first and it is not the worst. Would you say that with me? It's not the first and it's not the worst. You know, we get a little perspective. So when we run into these anxiety situations, I'm looking to some of these older generations and they're going, yeah, this is bad, but I remember, right? I mean, how many of you went through the Great Depression? So with you, my grandma, she saved those, um, remember when bread bags came with a little metal twisty, the paper wrapped little piece of metal? She saved the twisties. She had a drawer in her kitchen full of twisties. Because she went through the Great Depression and something is better than nothing, even if it's just a tiny little metal twisty with paper on it. She saved everything. Right? Because... That was, that was every, I mean, everybody was suffering horribly. So we have these, these events that bring into perspective. Let's look at, at uh, biblical accounts. And we, I, I'm thinking about, okay, anxiety-triggering moments. Adam and Eve leaving the Garden of Eden and the angel blocking the gate that they can never enter again. What's going on in Adam and Eve's mind? The intimacy that we experience with God has been broken. It will never be the same. What am I walking into now? What's, what's on the outside of the garden? I mean, you, it's so uncertain. You know, Noah, not a boat builder by trade, right, is in a huge wooden boat floating in endless sea with no land in sight. Moses being talked to by a bush. I mean, we, we have these situations where there's this incredible unknown and uncertainty and anxiety and fear raising, and it could bring about all these unpleasant emotions. Um, the disciples in the garden, Stephen giving testimony. You talked about Stephen. I don't know where your message was this morning at Sweet Ben, but, but I, was, I was thinking about, okay, Stephen is, is telling, uh, he's giving testimony to his faith in Jesus, and the, the Jewish religious leaders are picking up rocks. What's going on with Stephen? I mean, there's got to be a, a flight or fight mechanism happening right now as the stones start flying. And he just keeps preaching. He keeps testifying. What we experience, I, this is not the first and it's not the worst. Fear is a constant, and we have to, we have to address it. I'm going to go to 1 Samuel 
17 primarily. You can turn in your Bibles. This is a so, so super common, um, super common story. You heard it in Sunday school. I want to get a little, dig a little deeper than the Sunday school part of this story. David and Goliath. In 1 Samuel 16, we have David being anointed by Samuel to be the next king. When that's happening, this is, uh, this is the youngest brother of eight and, and of an insignificant family line that Samuel says, that's the guy. So who's currently the guy, the king of Israel? is Saul. Saul is tall, he's handsome, he's a warrior, he is everything you want in a king. Like, he's, the, he is, he's it, he's the poster child for the king of Israel, right? Now, Samuel is picking the next king and goes, eh, how about that one? How about the scrawny one? The youngest from Bethlehem. Let's pick him. No one took that seriously. We know that, that dad and brothers were mocking that whole scene and did not take it seriously. Even later, we, we see that, that playing itself out. So, yes, Samuel, crazy man, but here's the deal. God was anointing the next king. Man wasn't anointing the next king. Man picked Saul. God was picking David. When we get into uh, 1 Samuel 17, we start to see how God had been using him. Uh, Saul was having some, some you know, nightmares, visions. Uh, he was at, not at rest, and he, in, he asked them to find him a, somebody to sing to him and play the harp and calm him down, and David was the guy that did that. God was the guy that was calming Saul through David, his servant. And then we, have, we have get into this scene, and I'm going to fast forward to David facing Goliath, because we're talking about fear here. Go to 17, verse 45. This is well into the story. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. David immediately recognizes there is a spiritual battle going on. This Philistine is mocking the God of the universe who I serve. In verse 8 of chapter 17, uh, oops, I turned back one too many pages. In verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? David wasn't a servant of Saul in this battle. Verse 45. When the Philistine said, um, Why are you, you know, you're coming to fight me? And David responds, with, I come against you not in the name of Saul. I come against you in the name of the one that you have offended, the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. I think that's the first thing when we start talking about how are we going to move from fear, this unpleasant emotion, to fear, this, this confidence in a God that has got the situation. 
I am in, in, in awe and reverence of a God that has, is in complete control. How do I move from that unpleasant emotion into peace and comfort? I think it starts with, with what David just points out, recognizing that this is a spiritual battle. The second thing that we can pull out of, of uh, this story, David was young and he was small, but he did have some skills. He had some, he had some experience. God had, had shown him some things in his, in his short lifetime. So when we look at, at, at um, battles in that time frame, there's really three Three lines of, uh, on the battlefield. There's the, there's the hand-to-hand combat with a spear and a sword and a, and a, 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 a shield. You know, so, so we're up close fighting, right? right? So like if Troy Elbert and I, I, I would choose not that kind of fighting. I would choose to be a little further away, maybe with a bow and arrow, right? I don't want to handle those biceps, right? Not hand to hand. David is looking at Goliath, this nine foot monster, this undefeated, undisputed champion of the world in hand to hand combat. And he's going, not going to get that close. That's not how we're going to fight this battle, right? David knew this is, I'm not pulling away the miracle of the defeat of the Philistines here. God clearly won that battle, but he used David and David's skillfulness and knowing I'm going to be kind of in the second line. No, in fact, I'm little and I'm young and I'm a shepherd. And the one thing that I learned when I was guarding my sheep is to be farther away from the bad guy. So then you learn how to sling. So you got hand-to-hand combat, you have spears, javelins, bow and arrow, kind of stuff, and then you have slingers. Now, slingers, we, we have YouTube. We've watched people do some amazing things um, with all kinds of stuff. Uh, a girl that shoots a bow and arrow with her feet and all that stuff. You know, we see these and go, how does that even happen? Slingers were able to throw a stone almost the speed of a bullet coming out of a low caliber uh, gun today. They could throw a stone that fast and that accurate that they're knocking tin cans off the fence post from 30 yards every single time, right? Well, what else you got to do when you're out guarding sheep? Nah. Nah. I mean, all day long, day after day after day, David was good. We know David was good. He killed a lion and he killed a bear. He wasn't going to battle Goliath with Goliath's tactics. He was going to battle Goliath. He was going to face that fear with what God had entrusted to him for skills and experience. So that's the second thing we pull away. The third thing is, this is not the first. This is not the worst. God's people had been battling Amalekites and Ebonites and Jebusites and all kinds of sites, right? For, for their entire existence. And Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and Moses and uh, Gideon and Samson. I mean, we just go on and on and on with. These were all stories that David would have had to, at his disposal. I mean, these are, this is the history of Israel. There are bad guys. 
that are defying the God of Israel and the God of Israel shows up in battle over and over and over and over and over. And David's standing there thinking, there's another bad guy. He's dressed up a little fancy, but it's just another bad guy. And the God of Israel is going to honor this day and honor his name and not allow it to be defied. So, pulling those three things, how does it apply to us? We have to have a, we have to arm ourselves with a knowledge base of who this God is. And we're going to gain that from his word and knowing his word. The second thing, we have personal experience. We have skills, abilities, experience that we can draw from. So when we're fighting fear and the tendency to, be, to, to, to have that negative emotion, um, God has given us evidence of him working with us in the past. And the third thing is the testimony of others. As David was drawing on the history of Israel, um, we draw on the testimony, that and the testimony of even those around us. So the first one, knowledge base. So as we study God's word, we know him. And as we know him, we can't help but become more enamored by him, more in awe of him, the, 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 the whole idea of um, reverence becomes, the more we know him, the more it becomes so obvious. It's like, how can I claim to be something the more I get to know how great he is and how small I am? I love, um, I'm going to pull out Psalm 19. You can turn there. We'll um, read Seven verses there, starting in verse 7. In Psalm 19, this is, this is how, how many verses could I have put on the screen? Right? Hundreds? I picked a couple, and I'm going to pick a couple from the couple. Psalm 19, Psalm 19 starting in verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your, is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. God wants us to know him. He wants us to know that, that his plan for us is good. His, his um, principles, the statutes, the, the, the commandments, the precepts, th- these are designed not as shackles or, 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 or chains to, to have us you know, follow in blind obedience. God has given us laws and parameters and, and, and precepts to show us the way. And he gives us promises that, like here that it's like, it's sweet, it's like gold, it's like honey. It's, um, when you keep his commandments, your reward is great. In, in the context of what we're talking about this morning, in keeping his commandments, we move from fear this, I don't know what's going to happen, to I know who's in control. We move from a negative emotion to uh, confidence, to a comfort, to a place where we can 
rest because we know who's in charge. Deuteronomy 28, 58 kind of flips it. We, we go from the positive to the negative, and we, we see that often in Scripture where we have this, well, if you do this, great things will happen. If you don't do this, bad things will happen, right? Deuteronomy 28, 58, if you do not carefully follow the words of this law, which are written in this book, and you do not revere this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, the Lord will send fearful plagues on you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters, and severe and lingering illness. I didn't write this stuff. I love Acts chapter 9. Towards the end there, flip there. Acts chapter 9 is talking about the, the early church. And as Luke is, is kind of explaining what's going on, it, it's a, Acts is a book of history. It's the founding of the early church. And, and as, as the testimony of what's going on in these different churches is coming back, some are like, yeah, this is going really well. Things are going, you know, just people are obeying, people are following, um, real unity, real peace. Um, and there's other passages that, and we get into the, uh, Paul's epistles um, after this uh, history book of Acts, um, that maybe some of the churches weren't doing all so great. You know, they had a little div- division and those kind of things. But here in Acts chapter 9, in verse 31, the, conc- the, the, the assessment of the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria were that they were enjoying a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. They were growing in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. They were living in... The early church was thriving. They were experiencing peace. They were growing, living in the fear of the Lord. That's not this fear, which is the negative emotion, that that something bad is going to happen and I'm going to be... in. I'm going to suffer pain, right? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the fear of the Lord. We're talking about these are a group of people who have found that God is, is good and I am resting in his goodness and, it, and the result of that is peace. How attractive of a church is that, right? Who out there is not looking in the, at the church saying, wow, there is... There's peace there. There's unity there. There's, there's comfort there. Those are people who are handling all of the world's craziness. And, and I want some of that. I want what they have. Right? Unfortunately, and this is a whole other sermon. I'll let, I'll let Pastor Russ handle this one. Unfortunately, the church has not done a great job at being that place of peace and unity. The church is just as bad as everywhere else. And most non-Christians, pre-Christians, are looking at the church trying to find an answer and they're seeing division and they're seeing arguing and they're not seeing what, what we saw here in Acts chapter 9. They were growing in numbers because they were living in the fear of the Lord. They were living in reverence to the Lord. Again, that Greek word, uh, phobos, and that Hebrew word, yira. Um, in my Hebrew Bible, it says, 
um, for uh, uh, the Hebrew word yira. If one recognizes God as all-powerful, this will be reflective in his attitude and his daily life in the form of reverence. If one recognizes God as all-powerful, it will be reflected in his attitude and his daily life in the form of reverence. The second thing that we pulled out of David's life is, is his personal experience, his skills, his, his, his abilities, and his personal experience. When I think about how in my life have I seen God work and comfort when there was anxiousness all around, um, you know, I went on a mission trip to Haiti when I was 19 and when I was in college. Changed my life forever. Just God, I had pretty well figured out what God was like, and I'd put him in my little box, and I took him to church with me on Sundays, you know? Have you ever done that? Like, I got him figured out. And then you get someplace like Haiti, and you go, boom! I am big. You are small, right? God was, just spoke to me so clearly that I had confined him very unfairly, and it took a place like Haiti to just say, wow. <laughs> God is so much bigger than I thought. Boom, you know. High on the anxiety scales, you know, getting married, buying your first home, having a baby. By the way, I'm going to be a grandpa. Technically, I already am. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a grandpa to a baby the size of an avocado right now. Which is, uh, so you can tell, greet Jane with a whatever... Holy Grandma wave or something. Um, it works. I mean, we're thrilled, excited about that. Um, this part of it seems a lot less anxious than the 25 years ago part. Um, but, uh, you know, these are high anxiety times in your life, you know. And, and when I think about summer 2020, uh, you know, it, it, it will rank up there as one of those high anxiety summers. Uh, at Twin Lakes Bible Camp, we have a mission that we want to proclaim and demonstrate the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and do it in the most effective way possible. And for us, that's been by providing youth summer overnight programming, right, for 65 years. That's what the, the founders, faithful people 65 years ago, stood on the shores over on the East State Park looking across the lake, and they said, we need to buy that land because we know that if we start a camp, there's going to be kids that are going to come to know Jesus as their, as their Savior, and that's worth it, and we're, let's do it, you know. So that was, um, you know, we're just kind of following in those footsteps. So when middle of March hit us, um, I called together the staff, and I said, I, I think that our mission is to continue with summer camp um, unless God closes the door. But if we can find a path to make that happen, we're going to do it. Now, this was back when, you know, the governors restricted people, not, you know, church wasn't meeting, uh, couldn't have groups of more than 25, um, all kinds of those kind of things, which would have made summer camp just impossible. Like, we, there's no way we could have done it. But we just kept trying to figure out how do we, how do we navigate this, because um, I really feel like God is saying yes, and we're going to continue to follow it until clearly he says no, right? That was kind of our posture. Um, we built a... Uh, a decision-making grid. We've got kind of all the stakeholders listed. You know, what does the, the governor say? What does the CDC say? What does our board of directors say? What are, you know, we have all these groups um, and, and different things, that we've, criteria that we felt like we needed to meet in order for us to say, yes, we have a path to make it happen. 
Um, and as we moved through April and May, it seemed like some of those obstacles were starting to fall away, and the CDC came out with a recommendation for overnight camps. This is what it could look like. And I'm reading through that list thinking, I think it's, we can do that. And I'm going back to, well, last year we started a drive-through registration, and we thought it went really well because it was efficient and fast, and well, that'll work, you know. And, and several years ago we decided we're going to, when campers come, we're going to put them with their cabin group, and we're going to focus on that counselor-camper relationship, and so we're going to keep them in small groups. Well, that works, right? So that our food service modifications to be able to do, instead of buffet line, to do a serving line, and all the ladies in our, in, in our kitchen, I say all the ladies, we had one guy, yeah, poor Brody Anderson, right? Um, but, but the ladies in the kitchen, they were thrilled to be able to serve because they got to interact with every single person all the staff, all the campers. They thought it was really fun. So we're kind of checking all these boxes. Then we had a board meeting, and I told um, our board, here's our plan. Here's the path. I think we can, we've checked all our boxes. One board member said, I make a motion, we cancel all summer camps. Chairman of the board said, we have a motion, cancel all summer camps for 2020. Is there a second? No second, no motion, motion fails. Um, for those of you with uh, uh, parliamentary procedure or whatever, uh, you have to have a second to a motion in order for it to be voted on. So it wasn't even voted on, but we spent an hour or more after that motion talking about why we should cancel. And I remembered, it, I didn't leave that meeting really feeling victorious. It wasn't like, yes, we won, we're gonna be able to do camp. I walked out of that meeting with, oh, God is open, keeping the door open, and we're going to walk through it. Here's what I was afraid of, um, personally. This is why it falls into Scott's personal experience, Summer Camp 2020. I was afraid to stand before God and say, even though you opened the door for us to do it, even though you cleared a path for us to have camp this summer, I was afraid. It was too hard. I was afraid it was going to be too hard. I, other people were canceling, so, so I felt like that was the better. I could not imagine standing before God and making excuses. That's what I was afraid of. If you open the door, I'm going to walk through it. So, and miraculously, um, we had a summer with no positive COVID tests. Campers, staff, yeah. And, and maybe even the more miraculous part of that was we had unity in our staff team like I, I don't think I've ever experienced before. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And this is a divisive issue. COVID has polarized churches and polarized communities, polarized families. But not this summer at Twin Lakes Bible Camp. It was not polarizing at all. It was, it was uh, unifying. And that was... So when I think about... David, drawing from his past experiences and facing his current fears. I'm like, this summer is going to be one more of those things for me that's just, man, God has got it. He is sovereign. And if he says, I want you to do something, I don't have to say, well, it doesn't make sense. I just have to obey. 
We'll close here with uh, number three, the testimony of others. When I think, you know, David didn't stand. He wasn't first. He wasn't in the worst situation. Goliath wasn't the worst enemy that the armies of Israel had ever faced, right? There's a lot of other people that are faced, have faced a lot of other. Is there anybody in this room that can give a testimony that God is faithful? Nods. I see nods. How about hands? Is there anybody in the room that said, I didn't know how we were going to provide and God showed up and provided? Or, or I don't know um, how we're going to get through this, the sorrow, the sadness, the, the grief, and God provided comfort like you've never experienced before. You know, so if we pass a microphone around here, it's not like, well, Scott had a pretty good experience last summer with God showing up. What, 70 more? What do you need to know that God is in control and be able to move from, from I just don't know what's going to happen, and I, I have this emotional response to uncertainty to, well, yeah, but I know who's in charge. I've read the, I've read the end of the book. I know who wins. This last slide is just a summary. If we're going to trade fear for fear, I think we've got to recognize that the God of the universe is securely on his throne, that there's nothing that has happened, is happening, or will happen that surprises him. Right? We know that. And we have tons of evidence and reminders in Psalm 19 and lots of other places that tell us about the character of this God that we serve. If you fear him, if you hold him in highest esteem, you're, the, the reverence, the awe and wonder of who he is, you're surrendering to his lordship, you're obeying his commands, he has promised that he will give you comfort and peace. That's what I want. I don't want to face life with the, all the uncertainty because, you know, I, we, we said it's not the first, it's not the worst. You know what also? It's not the last what we're experiencing now with the uncertainty of a pandemic, this is not the last thing that we will face. But God's not going to change. He will give us comfort, peace, and security, the opposite of that negative emotion. I have this knowledge in my head. I have experienced it in my life. And there's a testimony of cloud of witnesses that will also reinforce God is in control and I can trust him. Father, thank you for... Your word, thank you for being with us this morning and giving us the ability to, to have a, a renewed understanding of your goodness, which helps us to move from fear to reverence, move from anxiety to, to comfort and peace. Father, we acknowledge that we are um, we're leaky buckets. We forget stuff just as fast as it comes into our heads. Remind us daily. Show us those examples in others. Bring to mind the experiences that we've had in the past that will just reassure us of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close this service this morning, I just want to take a moment to recognize that it takes great trust and letting go to put your your feet out, if you will, on the water 
like David when he walked out to face Goliath, like Scott, your, your team, your board, your staff, as you stepped out in the midst of this crazy COVID and, and saying, we're going to move forward and how God met you in that. But perhaps the most simple step of faith for somebody right now is simply letting go of your life and stepping into a relationship with Christ. And in the midst of all the things we try to hang on to, Christ says to let that all go. He says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? And he also said, those that lose their life will find it. And so as we come to the, the cross, we realize we surrender. We surrender everything that, that we have, that we think we own, the things that we maybe are hanging on to that keep us from fully surrendering and trusting Christ. And I just want to encourage you this morning, trade your fear for fear. A true reverence for God is acknowledging your need for Christ in your life. And when you revere God, you will enter into a relationship with Christ eventually as you're, you're sensitive to what God might be doing in your life and you open your heart to Him. And I want to encourage you, open your heart to God. He wants to move in your life. And believe me, believe Scott, believe the 70 other people that shook their head yes, God is faithful and you can trust Him. And perhaps right now there's somebody listening that would desire to enter into that relationship with Christ. And so I want to take a moment to lead anyone that would be listening into that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So would you please pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. And now as we acknowledge that there's possibly someone listening that would desire a relationship with you, but perhaps they've been living a life in contrary to your word and, and even a life that has lacked reverence for you. But something inside of them, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart, today's a day that they would want to receive you into their life. And I want to lead anyone in this prayer of salvation right now. Just simply pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus Today I surrender my life to you. Realizing that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior, today I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I ask that you would forgive me, cleanse me, make me a new person, and help me to live for you, to fear you, and to walk in obedience to your commands. Today, I thank you for this gift of salvation as I receive Jesus Christ into my heart and life. Thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those that perhaps just prayed with me to receive Christ, we want to take something a step further and equip you with a resource we have here called Now What? This is available back at our welcome desk. For those who are here in the building, if you're watching online, you can get this resource at faithccpalmer.org forward slash now dash what. There's an electronic version of this now what resource. You can request a Bible on that webpage. And if you're here right now and you would desire this resource, it actually comes with a free Bible. 
So please feel free to take that on your way out today. Also, if you are a guest with us, if you're watching online, again, please reach out to us. If you're a guest here in the building, I would love to meet you. Please see me at the guest table. We'd love to make a connection with you. We have a free gift for you, thanking you for being here today. Um, also, I just when we end this service, before we play the doxology video, Scott, would you please come join me up here? And I just want to do this as the Twin Lakes Bible Camp is on our missions roll. Our missions committee supports the Bible Camp. And um, one thing we're going to do um, this weekend is in addition to uh, the tithe and the offering that we're receiving, we're also going to receive a free will offering for the Bible Camp. Um, it, COVID, while summer was a success as far as ministry goes, COVID has uh, impacted their finances whether it be from the things that took place in the spring season, uh, summer season, or even into your fall. Some of the things you've had that uh, maybe were on the schedule that got taken off. And so uh, we want to bless them. We want to stand in the gap with them and try to help uh, in the midst of that. And so if you desire to do that, um, an email we will be sending out later today that will have Scott's email address. And just like last week when we did that for Philip. If you want to join the newsletter that the Bible Camp sends out, or if you want to just share with Scott how his message today impacted you. And, but if you'd also like to partner with them financially, you can do that directly as well, not just through the offering that we're going to receive. But with them being on our missions committee and the great work that there's other families that are in our church that work at the Bible Camp and serve at the Bible Camp. And so with Scott here representing all of those individuals, I just ask that you'd extend your hand toward him as we pray together. If you're at home, you can do this as well. And um, I'm also just going to close the service. And as soon as we're done praying, we will close with the doxology video. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Twin Lakes Bible Camp. Lord, it was a move of your spirit that brought that camp into existence. And it's a blessing to know that your spirit is moving still to this day. And Father, we pray that as they continue to step forward in your faithfulness, not their faithfulness, in your faithfulness, Lord, you would continue to provide for them. As they trust your word, they trust that the ministry of the gospel is going to impact people's lives. They can also trust that you are the one who holds the purse strings and that you will provide for them every step of the way. You gave the Israelites daily manna, and you taught your disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless the camp as they move forward with the many things that they have on their plate. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for how successful things were in your kingdom this last summer. But, Lord, as we move forward and they continue in ministry, ministry is not over at the Bible camp until you return, Lord, and take us to be with you. So as they move forward into the next season and chapter, Lord, give them great wisdom and guidance and great blessing and anointing. And we thank you for everyone represented at that camp. And Lord, we thank you for this service today and the word that Scott shared. We ask for a blessing as we step out in faith, Lord. Help us, guide us, and we thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen.